the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. With your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell. Well, it's that time of year again where turkeys all over the United States are running for their lives. Yes, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and with that in mind, we have decided to do a special program dedicated to the subject matter of Thanksgiving. Now, there are strong delusions related to this subject as well, particularly when we have an unthankful or ungrateful heart. And we'll be talking more about strongholds as it relates to hard hearts in a new series in a couple of weeks. But tonight, it's all about Thanksgiving. So stay tuned, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you doing? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed. And thank you so much for that uh, wonderful and uh, interesting uh, introduction, because there are a lot of turkeys running for their lives. <laughs> I guess we should pray for them, too. <laughs> yes, I, I, I particularly like to pray that they're well done. <laughs> Amen to that. Well, we've been talking about, as Brother Gary has said, this uh, series on the strong delusions. And we're going to do, as Brother Gary has shared with you tonight, uh, a special uh, teaching on the strong delusions of an unthankful heart. Strong Delusions of an Unthankful Heart. And just by way of introduction, you know, we need to understand that Thanksgiving is not just one time a year, but Thanksgiving should be every day of the year. We should always be in a spirit of thankfulness to the Lord. And knowing that Thanksgiving is right around the corner, uh, you know, we need to really understand uh, what is going on around this issue of being thankful. Now, strong delusional thinking can lead us to an unthankful heart. Now, unthankful hearts are found in people who do not appreciate the things that God has given them and recognizing the things that God has given them. There's a lot of people in the world today that are like that, not only in the world, but they are in the church as well. Whether they have a lot or very little, the Apostle Paul learned this lesson very early in his ministry, and you might want to write this uh, chapter down and uh, also the verses. The Apostle Paul learned this lesson very early in his ministry in Philippians chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. And I think this scripture here should be something that we should put on our walls, put in our cars, put on Everything that we do in life, because this is a principle of how to be thankful and uh, how to be guided in our thankfulness. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, 
The Apostle Paul says, I've learned. Now, he says this word over and over. I've learned uh, to be content. Now, that word content means uh, is a powerful word because a lot of us are not content with what God has given us. We want more and more and more and more, and, and we end up getting ourselves in a lot of trouble with this type of attitude, especially when it's not in the will of God. But the Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I am. Verse 12, and I know both how to abase, which means to have very little, and I know how to abound. That means to have a lot. The Apostle Paul says in verse 12, everywhere and in all things, notice he says, in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, verse 13 says, and I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, this is something that all people need to learn that are calling themselves Christians. They need to live by this contentment. Rather than being contentious, they need to be into this spirit of being content. Now, this is a lesson that the word faith teachers need to learn, the prosperity teachers, and a lot of us that are in our churches, and a lot of people from the pew to the pulpit. We need to learn to be content. We haven't learned to be content in all things that God has given us. Each of us have been given more than, and than what we have expected, and yet we still come up with excuses. And there is no place for excuses because excuses don't excuse, but they only accuse. We've not only gotten ourselves into a spirit of excuses and complaining, in an unthankful way, always looking for something wrong, something negative, something more, and we're just not satisfied, and we become negative. And God's Word even tells us and warns us how people can be given over to a strong delusion in having an unthankful heart, and we need to repent if we have fallen guilty of this. Repent and turn to the Lord tonight. In the body of my message, I want to talk about six manifestations, six manifestations of an unthankful heart, six manifestations of an unthankful heart. Now, these are the six fruits of manifestations that comes out of an unthankful heart, and it can lead to a strong delusion if we don't watch out. Now, I want you to think about this when I name all of these six points. Think about this in relationship to your own life. Do you fit in this category? And if you do, you need to repent and turn to the Lord. Number one, there are serious consequences and results, and serious results and consequences of an unthankful heart. And we see this in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 and 26 through 27, where it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither, now notice this, neither were thankful, there's the word thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts was darkened. Now here is the strong delusion. Their hearts, their foolish hearts were darkened. And it goes back to not being thankful, see, just that little simple word, which leads to strong delusions. 
And then the strong delusions open up the door in Romans chapter 1. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections, you know, and then God gives them up to a reprobate mind. This is related to the strong delusions. And we see this as the result or the consequences of people who fall into this category. And when we fall into this category, it opens up the door to four things, heresy, idolatry, immorality, and then the judgment of God. Number two, the second manifestation of an unthankful heart is that people begin to develop over a period of time negative personalities in words and deeds. And uh, if God don't change our attitude, if uh, we give God a chance to change our attitude, then he can also work with our personality. You see, people over a period of time develop over a period of time the gift of complaint, and they find it very easy over a period of time to complain more, and they get conditioned after God has given them up to the spirit of complaint. They start to complain about little things, big things, everything. They become moody about everything. They become spiritually bipolar. You ever thought about that? Spiritually bipolar with mood swings of depression. They become like the children of Israel, grumbling, mumbling, and complaining and, and everything. And they just did this all the time with before Moses and Aaron, and God had to judge them over and over and over again. And they didn't experience the promises of God, and they didn't experience the promise of the promised land because of their complaints and grumbling and mumbling. And they had spiritual bipolar as well. And we have a lot of people like that in our churches and outside our churches. Number three, the third way of an unthankful heart manifests itself is that God gives them over to a strong delusional thinking as well, uh, to a strong delusional thinking that people in the church and outside the church over a period of time, they become meaner, they become bitter, and they become unforgiving. So this strong delusion can lead us and lead people into this type of a spirit where they become meaner, bitter, and unforgiving. And that unforgiving plays a major part in people who fall into a strong delusional mind. We find in Matthew chapter 18, we read about an unthankful servant who was uh, forgiven of a great debt, but uh, could not forgive his fellow servant of a much smaller debt. And God judged that man greatly. Now listen, if a person or persons is mean and bitter and unforgiving and hold things against others and shows this to others in an unthankful way, then God will judge them too. And we find that in Matthew chapter 18, verses 32 through 35, that God ended up calling that person a wicked servant. I forgave thee all of thy debt because thou desirest me. And shouldest thou not have also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I have pity on thee? And the Lord said he sent them over to the tormentors, and he was judged because of that. And a lot of us are going to be judged because of that mean spirit, also that unforgiving spirit, and that spirit of complaint. We need to repent of that. Number four, the fourth manifestation of an unthankful heart are people who are always looking down upon themselves. 
and they feed into a low self-esteem spirit, and they constantly live in a pity party, boo-hoo me world, and, and constantly stay in that state of mind. And it's hard for God to work with somebody who hates themselves and just have this downward spirit towards themselves. And this is something that Satan feeds into, and he brings people into a mindset. So he gets them also not only to this mindset of not liking themselves and with low self-esteem, but suicidal thoughts. And because he's a murderer, as Jesus said in John 8 and 44, and Jesus said also in John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And we see this happen in Judas Iscariot. This low self-esteem fell upon him, and he literally got to the point where he uh, went out and killed himself. God wants to give us a good self-image. When we turn to him, we will get a good self-image, and we will reflect him in Christ because Satan has come to distort the design of God, the purpose of God. Number five, the fifth manifestation of an unthankful heart are people who are never satisfied with what they have been given but always want more. We see this in Hollywood. We see this in churches. We see this with prosperity teachers. We see this with people all over the world. They're more into greed than need. This is obvious a sign of an unthankful heart. Greed is a sin that causes us to become unthankful for the things that God has blessed us with already. And when we become greedy, we are thinking about things we don't have rather than the things that God has already given us. And let me say the sixth one and last one. Number six, the sixth manifestation of an unthankful heart are people who are not seeking the things of God first. And Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God. And he said, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves break in, but lay up for these things in heaven where none of these things should break in. He said, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his own soul? And so we need to put God first. And when we put him first, he will bless us with all the things that we need. But with the reason why we're off with the things of God, because we don't put him first in our lives and our businesses and the, all the way from the White House to the church house and to every other house. So we need to repent. We need to turn to God, and he will give us that thankful heart and that right heart and that heart that Jesus will transform inside us to have a heart after God. Jesus and everything, I'll say this, I'm done. Jesus and everything he did, he always had a thankful heart to God, to his Father, always thanking God. And Paul says, thank the Lord in all things. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches about this unthankful heart that can lead to a strong delusional mind. Brother Gary. Well, all right, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. So we want to begin by thanking everyone in a spirit of thanksgiving who's been faithfully praying for contending for the faith that, you know, we could never make it without your prayers. I always say prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. You know, prayer is a powerful thing that God has given us, and it is so vital that you continue to pray for us. We couldn't make it without your prayers, and we, we couldn't make it without your financial donations. And we want to thank those who gave over the past week. 
uh, Alfred, Scott, Lucy, Gail, Mary, June, David, and Charlene. Thank you so much for your generosity, for allowing God to use you to be a blessing. It costs us 400 a week. Uh, so if, you know, if you've been blessed by the program and Dr. Buckner's teachings, we just want to encourage you to partner with us financially to keep this vital program on the air. We're just so thankful for those that gave over the past week, but we don't want to put the burden all on them. We need everyone to step up. As God has blessed you, be a blessing. There's two ways you can give. Send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, Tiburon is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California 94920. And the second way is so much simpler. Get on your smartphone, your laptop, your pa- your tablet, and get online. Go to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. And click on the donate button. It's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. And also, we just want to remind you or let you know that we won't be in the studio next week. We'll be celebrating Thanksgiving with our families. But we will be airing the best of contending for the faith. So sure, be sure to tune in, listen, and uh, be blessed. Uh, Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. Appreciate those uh, announcements. And uh, we're looking forward to having a wonderful time with our family. And I know everybody out there is looking forward to that as well. And uh, what are you planning on doing, Brother Gary? Probably eating and sleeping. No. <laughs> I know we have plans of going to a big family reunion situation with my wife's family. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting time. You know, when family get together and you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. All good things, hopefully. Amen. We pray for that us all the time. All righty. Well, we got some a couple of callers, and uh, we have CC. Uh, CC, you there? Well, yes, I am. Uh, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. How you doing? Well, we're truly blessed. We trust that you got blessed by the word tonight. Yeah, I, yeah, I really got blessed by that. I, I really agree with everything that, everything that you said. You know, that's that is so true. It was, it was a really uh, sober message. Amen. Amen. And so, what? Uh, what we before we get to your question, uh, what does Thanksgiving mean to you? For me, I'm 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 thankful for a lot of things. You know, besides me being thankful, first of all, I'm thankful. You know, that the Lord saved me. You know, that's that that's the first and foremost. And then all the other things that come along with it, like I'm thankful for having a roof over my head, food to eat, um, for for my youth. You know, saying so, I'm I'm really thankful um, that you know that I have my mother Rosalinda because. She sacrificed so much for me as a little boy. I never had – my mother was, like, one of the best moms. And my dad also, he carried me on his back when he was sick. And a lot of things that, you know, my parents did for me. I mean, it's so much I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for, for just waking up in the morning that I could see, you know, that I'm in my right mind and I'm not in a hospital bed. You know, there's a lot of things that I'm, you know, that I'm my family, you know, for this radio station, for you guys, the gospel. I mean the list the list the list goes on and on and on. I mean I'm I'm thankful a lot of times when somebody just holds the door for me. I'm like wow, you know they have they didn't they didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so much it's, it's so much I'm thankful for you know and especially just waking up in the morning and I'm thankful a lot of times too. You even when somebody's 
is nice to me. Like sometimes I'm I'm at the store and, and I have like one or two items. And somebody say, "Oh, that's all you got? You can go ahead." I mean, I'd be like, "Thank you, man. Like I really appreciate that." You know. And I was in I was at Walmart a few 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 uh, weeks ago, and I was I had bought I I got some food, and the lady the lady was uh, I got to the line and the woman said the line was closed, and then I was like, "Well, this is all I have right here." And um, a young lady stepped up and and um, she, she was like, he's with me. And what happened is she ended up paying for my stuff. She said, that's your stuff. She paid for all of my food. And um, I was able to walk out. I didn't even know her. And I was just like, wow, I was really thankful for that. You know, and I could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Well, that's a beautiful thing. You know, we need to have more people that have that type of spirit as you have. And that's uh, very important that we all uh, demonstrate uh, that type of spirit. Uh, so we appreciate you sharing that. So what's on your heart tonight? Uh, you have a, a question? Yeah, I want to ask you, um, in, in Daniel chapter 7, um, I was wondering if you can give me some help with that. Mm-hmm. Verses 1 through 4. Right, right. Uh, yeah, this is a tremendous uh, chapter uh, here. You know, I always tell people, uh, in order to understand um, the book of Revelation, you must have a working knowledge of the uh, 39 books of the Old Testament. It's really critical because, you know, Daniel really is a four, uh, you know, runner of the book of Revelation. And uh, a lot of things that we get in the book of Daniel, uh, we get also in the book of Revelation. So, it's a it's a tremendous book and has a lot of meat, a lot of good stuff in there. So I want to just encourage people to, uh, if you want to know uh, the book of Revelation, you've got to have a working knowledge of not only the Old Testament, the 39 books, but Daniel is a key book in relationship to all of this. Uh, without going into this on a Bible study level, I'm just going to give you something that you can uh, work with, okay, uh, in terms of uh, Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. And then you can do your homework on this, and and then, um, you know, you can let us know what you got out of it when you do your homework on it. Uh, do you have a pen and paper there? Um, no, but I'm, I, I, grab, I'm, I grab one. It's, it's, in my, it's in my backpack. I'm going to get it right now. Well, well, the thing is, is, yeah, if you can get it real quickly, and, I, and I'll just try to um, break down some things to you, and then uh, you need to um, uh, take this and kind of like uh, run with it from a uh, biblical perspective. So, uh, you know, that's uh, something very important for you to, to see. So... Um, you have your paper there? No, well, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, I'll get it together. Okay, okay. So, so this this is a breakdown. Uh, this is kind of like a vision you see in in verse uh, one, and uh, you see in verse two that this is a, a vision that God has given Daniel, and and what you want to really take note of is. Uh, uh, several key things, okay? So when you look at um, uh, verse 4, you see the first thing that's mentioned, which is a lion. Uh, 
And when you do homework on this, this lion represents, these are all things in this vision that he sees, and this lion represents, uh, this swift lion represents the, the, um, the king of, uh, uh, of Babylon, and it's, uh, and it's representing pretty much um, the, uh, the king of Babylon, but it's also kind of laying out, when you look at verse 2, when it says the four winds, it's laying out these four points that I'm going to be mentioned. So this lion is going to be representing uh, the uh, king of Babylon. So that's the thing that you want to do homework on. And then when you look at verse 7, uh, verse 5 rather, of chapter 7, the bear. So you see the bear there, and the bear represents the Medo-Persians uh, empire. So all of these got representatives, right? that in this vision that uh, Daniel sees, that God has given him. And then you have the third point is uh, in Daniel 7 and 6, the leopard. And the leopard represents Greece, the Grecian uh, empire. And then you have number four, uh, verse verse 7, Daniel 7 and 7, the fourth uh, beast and this represents the Roman Empire. So this is kind of like the layout. If I was teaching a class, I would kind of lay it out that way and then go into detail. So I'm going to encourage you to go into detail. Now, one other note that I want you to take note of, which is very important, that in uh, verse 8, he says, I considered the horn. Now, I want you to notice this. I considered a horn, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. So he's talking about amongst them came up another little horn, uh, before whom there were three of the first horn plunked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man. Notice that. The eyes of a man and the mouth of a speaking great things. It is interesting that this verse 8 parallels to Revelation chapter 13 with the Antichrist because he talks about uh, that he will be speaking speaking great things and great lies and stuff like that. So this little horn is pointing to the future Antichrist. Now, I know uh, uh, some people don't hold to that position, and they have the right to not to, but I believe that this is pointing to a prophecy of the coming man of sin, the son of perdition, which is the Antichrist. So this layout here, you know, is critical in terms of an outline that you can fill in everything that you need to. But you want, with this verse 8, you want to uh, parallel that to um, Revelation chapter 13, and uh, you'll get a lot of insight in relationship to that. So, Hopefully that helps out as a breakdown for you because this is not easy to uh, apprehend, uh, but it's something that I try to give you a little bit of meat so you can chew on that and then to develop it more with a commentary and, and we can recommend some good commentaries for you as well. Um, you took the words out of my mouth. I was just about to tell you that was a, that was a very good commentary that you just gave me right there. And I really... Um, Appreciate appreciate that very substance and I, substance. I will um, do my homework and I appreciate it. Hey, amen. Hopefully you got the hopefully you got those points down because you yeah. got to get that breakdown in order to understand 
each one of these points what Daniel's talking about is really, really important. Uh, what's your prayer request? Uh, and then we're going to go to a commercial. Let's get your prayer request in uh, real quick. Again, just pray for me, uh, my family again. You know, my mother, Rosa, Linda, and all my family and friends. And um, however you guys want to pray for me. And then, again, if you could just lift up the comedian actor Kevin Hart and also the comedian actor uh, Will Ferrell. Okay. We will, we will do that. Brother Gary. All right, Lord, we just thank you so much for your tender mercies upon our lives. We ask your blessing be upon Brother C.C., Lord God, especially over this Thanksgiving holiday, that you bless him with everything that he needs, and then bless him with some of his wants as well, Lord God. We pray for his family, his mom, Rosalinda. We pray for uh, Kevin Hart and Will Ferrell and, and celebrities like them. And and we pray, Lord God, that you would just um, bring people into their lives, Lord God, that will be able to share Christ with them, Lord God, that they would come in contact with people left and right, people planting seeds, someone else watering, that you might one day give the increase in their life. We pray, Lord God, over this situation in Hollywood, and and there's so many people being impacted by um, the actions of people in in high positions who have misused their their power and authority. And we just pray, Lord God, for... um, people to repent of that stuff and that uh, people would be protected, that lives would be uh, put back on track, Lord, from the fallout of, of these people's uh, actions against them, Lord God, that you would just uh, help people to to become righteous, help people to see that, the, that they can't get away with these behaviors, Lord God, and let peace um, rule in the hearts of these people that have been uh, hurt by these situations. We we pray, Lord God, that you would just help folks to to realize that they can't abuse people without consequences, Lord. We just thank you for your mercy upon our lives. We pray again for CC in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, CC, for your call, and God bless. Make sure you get that uh, outline I gave you. Okay, thank you. Keep me out of here, too, because I'm on my cell phone again. I don't, don't want to miss the rest of the program. All righty. Very good. All right. Well, it is time for that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, and counselor, expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And once again, we'd just like to thank everybody who's been praying for Contending for the Faith over these years. We know that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much, and your prayers have definitely been working. And we just thank you so much for that. And we thank those of you who are constantly supporting us through prayer. And those of you who have partnered with us financially, we can't thank you enough for continuing to do so and being consistent in both areas. It's so vital. It costs us 400 a week to remain on the air, and we need your prayers and we need your financial support. There's two ways to donate, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553. Tiburon is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Simply go online, get on your laptop, your computer, and uh, go to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and hit the Donate button, and it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. We also want to remind you, 
<clears throat> that uh, next next Saturday we will not have a live broadcast, but we'll be airing the best of contending for the faith because we're going to be celebrating the holidays with our families, and we hope that uh, you will be doing the same. But we want to give you an opportunity to, to tune in. There's going to be a great show on that night, and you won't be able to call in, but you can definitely tune in. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, and we are looking forward to uh, our time with our family and uh, just time of breaking bread together, and and I know that you are too, and some of you who don't have family, hopefully you'll have the church family by which you can be in fellowship and break bread together, and uh, that's what we always encourage people to do is to be involved with a church family. Well, we're going to get back to our callers. we got a uh, couple of more callers. Steve, are you there? Hello? Hello, Steve. How are you doing this evening? Good, good, Dr. Butler. Thanks for, uh, thank you for calling, uh, taking my call. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Uh, uh, this is your first time calling? Uh, yes, sir. My first time calling. Okay. And have you listened to our program before? A uh, long time ago. I can't remember. Yeah, maybe a long time ago, sir. Yeah. Okay. Don't wait so long to listen to us again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and what's on your heart tonight, sir? Well, I am, uh, like I, I told your screener, I, I am a Christian from the Middle East, and uh, I, I've been trying to witness uh, to the Middle Eastern Muslim people about Christ. Yes. And one of the uh, main difficulties that I, I face with them is, uh, you know, in the Bible it says uh, Jesus is the Son of God. And they say God is not supposed to have any children. God is not supposed to produce like us humans. He creates. God creates. So my question to you, Dr. Butler, is why Jesus is called the Son of God in the Bible? Well, that's a very good question. Very good question. Why is he called the Son of God? Well, the, the, the word Son of God, you know, you have different terms for Jesus in the Bible, right? Different titles, you know, when he's called the Son of Man, that's a title to his uh, humanity uh, as as a man, because Jesus was uh, fully God and he was fully man. So he had uh, two natures as one person, right? So one of the natures that he had was that he was humanity. So the scriptures call him the son of man. And then when it comes to his divinity, uh, the scriptures call him the Son of God. Now, the word Son of God is a title for him being God. And then the reason why it's a title for him being God, because, you know, when, for instance, let me give an example. I'm the son of my father, right? And And that means that because I'm the son of my father, that means that my father and I are equal, by nature, because I'm his son. And when the the scriptures call Jesus the son of God, that means that he shares the same nature as the father in terms of equality, in terms of essent being. So this is one of the reasons why they call him the son of God. And matter of fact, when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the New Testament, if you go through a study, especially in the Johannian Gospel, which is talking about the Gospel of John, do a word study on the word son of God. And the Jews who knew uh, that 
in their minds that it was blasphemy for them, for Jesus to call himself the son of God, because he was claiming to be equal with God in nature and essence. So every time that he called himself the son of God, or they call somebody called him the son of God, they wanted to stone him to death. They wanted to literally stone him to death because that's a title for him being God and because he shares the same nature and essence and being. So you have these different titles, son of man, son of God, and then also the word. So the capital W, which means that he's another word for him being God. And then so uh, so hopefully that helps you out. But that's the best way to understand that word son of God from the biblical perspective. It does. It really does. And one more thing, Doctor. It really does. Thank you for that answer. And uh, one more thing. Where in the Bible, one Muslim guy asked me, where, where in the Bible it says, Jesus said, "I am God. Worship me." Well, the the there are several places where he says, "I am God." The, the, you have to understand this, okay? That uh, any time that Jesus says, "I am." That's a term for him being God, that I am God, because that word I am is the same word that's found in Exodus 3 and 14. So when the name of God is I am, so when you look at Exodus 3 and 14, when Moses uh, said to God, he says, when I go before the children of Israel and they shall ask of me, what is your name? What shall I say? And God says to him, to Moses in Hebrew, Ehyah, Esher, Ehyah, I am that I am. And then he said, when you go before Pharaoh, that's what you shall say, that is my name. So when you get to the gospel of John, Jesus over 23 times, that's very important. Jesus over 23 times uses the word I am. And when you look at John 8 and 58, you know, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, the Jews were a lot wiser than the Muslims and most of the people today when it came to words that God would use and Jesus would use. So he would say, he's, Jesus has the Septuagint, the Old Testament translated into Greek. And he literally quotes from there, from Exodus 3 and 14, when they said, they, they asked him a question after he said to them, they said, uh, you know, he said that he literally is the resurrection and life. He has said that in, in John 11. And then uh, Jesus said he has the power also to raise the dead. And then they started getting so angry with him because they knew that only God is, has the power to raise the dead. So they asked the question, who are you? In John 8, whom makest thou thyself? And he says, before Abraham was, I am. And then you look at verse 59, and it says they took up stones to stone him. And so literally, they took up stones to stone him. Now, another scripture where he claims to, to say that he's God is even when he uses the word, I and the Father, we are one. So when they when they, when he said that in John ten and verse thirty, later on the Jews accused him of blasphemy, and they said, "You being a man, maketh yourself God." So they knew that the word uh, "I," uh, that I and the Father, we are one. They knew that that was a title for him being God. 
So the title for Jesus saying that he's God is in the I am, because you've got to understand that in the light of Exodus 3 and 14. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so hopefully that helps you out to hammer that I am, because that's the divine title for Jesus being God, and he doesn't necessarily have to say God, just in the fact that I am is the name for God. That's in Exodus 3 and 14. That's the name for God. And Dr. Buckner, that uh, Doubting Thomas passage is huge. Yeah, the Doubting, the uh, the passage of John uh, 20 and 28 and 29. And then with Thomas, literally, when he saw Jesus after the resurrection, uh, he literally looks at Jesus and says, O kuriosmo, ko theosmo, the Lord of me, the very God of me. Now, when he said to Jesus, you know, uh, that you are God, that he's literally saying that, you know, the God of me. And then, then Jesus, you know, he didn't rebuke him for it because the duty of a rabbi in the midst of blasphemy is to rebuke it. And Jesus says, what does he say? Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. What did Thomas see? He says, my Lord, which is the title for Jesus being God, Lord, and then he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus never rebukes him. And Jesus says, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So that's another scripture where somebody else calls him God. So it's not only Jesus claiming to be God in the I am's, but even others said that he was God as well. And Thomas is a major example of that. So hopefully that helps you out. Yeah, I did. I did call like uh, a couple other stations, Christian stations, and I never got that answer. I really appreciate it. You know, I like your answer when you said uh, Jesus is the Son of God. He 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 shares the same nature with God the Father. Yes, uh, yes. I have, I have I have so many questions, but I, I don't think we have time. Maybe in the future broadcast, I'll call you again, Doctor Butler. Yes, you do that, and you know what? You get down our number as well. And you might want to get my book on the Trinity because it's a tremendous book that, matter of fact, there there was a guy that uh, shared this story with you before you go because our time is almost out. But there was a guy that, uh, a guy, he's in our ministry, and he uh, he's in Alabama now, and he called me a week ago, and he said, Dr. Buckner, I have uh, uh, a mother that just, you know, passed. And then I have a brother that's been in the Jehovah's Witnesses for 27 years where, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is God. And so he said, uh, can you send me your book on the Trinity? I sent the book on the Trinity, and he and he had his brother to read it. It's a small, user-friendly book. And then he got on the phone. He called me, and his brother got on the phone. And his brother was shouting and literally saying, uh, Dr. Buckner, Dr. Buckner, he said, I was a Jehovah's Witness for 27 years, and after reading your book, I am a believer now. I have been deceived for 27 years. And what you want to do, my brother, I'm going to say this before you go, pray, pray, pray that God will open up the eyes and ears of people who are rejecting Jesus as God. It's only a miracle of the Holy Spirit that can do that because his job is to open up eyes and ears of people so that they can hear the truth of the gospel. 
And so you get down our number and leave your number as well as uh, a way to contact you, and then we'll keep dialoguing with you and call back again with a good question. I'm glad that that uh, the way I broke that down for you on Jesus being called the Son of God helped you. You know, it was touching to hear you say you never heard that before, but I've been blessed by one of the greatest teachers, Walter Martin, and I learned a lot, and I uh, give that out to other people, who and it, and it really helps them out. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All right. Um, God, bless, God bless you, Dr. Butner, and your ministry. God bless you. Yes, God bless you, too. Amen. All righty. What a, what a call. Yes. And uh, just to add some more fuel to the fire, <laughs> Brother Frederick got excited. He came running <laughs> in with uh, Philippians 2 and 6, where it talks about who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used uh, to his own advantage. That's the NIV. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So there's a lot of lot of scriptures that speak to Jesus being God. Yes, and even Colossians uh, two and nine, mm-hmm. where it talks about for in Him dwelleth well, all, all the fullness, the fullness of, of the Godhead, the Godhead bodily. bodily yep. and you know that really gives a black eye to uh, people who uh, say you know you should baptize in Jesus' name only uh, from Acts two and thirty eight. But yet, when you think about Colossians 2 and 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, that means the Trinity right there. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says mm-hmm. in the Great Commission, baptize the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's right. Yeah, so they had a purpose in using the name of Jesus throughout the book of Acts because they were in the front, in the face of Jews who denied Jesus. So they're going to be elevating the name of Jesus more so than any other name because they were saying that the Jews were saying, we accept the Father, we accept the Holy Spirit, but they're rejecting Jesus. And Jesus said, if you don't honor me, you can't honor the Father. That's right. <laughs> Amen to that. That's right. Well, what a program tonight. Yes, Won't you yes. take over from here and knock a home run in the name of Jesus and uh, stop Chasing those turkeys, okay? <laughs> we have some turkeys around by our house that wild turkeys. Wild and, ones, huh? And I don't want to mess with those because I may get a wild meal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've come to the end of tonight's wild, exciting episode. And we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how the program's blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comment, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always one with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. Just want to remind you that next week we won't be in the studio. Well, we hope that you all have a blessed and wonderful Thanksgiving. Until the next time we uh, get the chance to minister to you again. So take care, be blessed, have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.